If you're in construction, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Constructed Behaviors Podcast. I'm your host, Barb Allen. I'm a woman with decades of experience in the construction industry, and most of it on the job site. I know how rewarding this industry can be, but like you, I also know that we could improve. Let's work together to make changes from the inside out. people that lack familiarity with the construction industry? Are you able to clearly articulate the financial benefits that the industry offers? Or are you relying on your typical, it's really good money to do the trick? Being able to articulate the benefits effectively allows the person to see and feel the possibilities and opportunities that could exist for them in construction. Today's guest makes a living by seeing potential and then articulating it to her clients. Abby Sladek owns Abby Joan Fine Living, a design-build remodeling studio and contracting firm in Naples, Florida. Her desire for an exceptional team, combined with her personal success in the industry, has made her passionate about educating others on the financial benefits the construction industry can offer individuals. So I'm going to welcome Abby to the show. Welcome, Abby. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I did a little... um, Google stalking like I typically do. And one of the things that I really found fascinating about you is that you have a degree in business administration and then your profile jumps right into owning this business that you started 30 years ago in construction. And I am super curious how you made that leap. What what happened uh, that took you from business administration into construction and design? So when I came out of school, it was probably one of the worst employment markets ever. It was just horrible in 84. And I ended up moving out to Colorado. And because I couldn't find a job in corporate America, which is what I thought I was going to do, I went to work for Marriott. And I began to learn hospitality and learn how to take care of people. And I really didn't understand how important that was going to be later on in my career. But I worked with Marriott and they also gave me a chance to do some management training. Um, So I learned a lot about how to work with a team and how to work with other people. Again, that was something I didn't, I wasn't really looking for, but it found me. Um, And after working for hospitality, I ended up moving back to Boston and living on Cape Cod, working with hotels. And I decided it was too cold. After I saw the movie Cocktail one day on a cold winter day, I said, I need to move to an island. And what I did was I got a job on Marco Island working for a small service firm that ran the beach services. And while I was doing that, this was very early in the days of computers and learning how to use computers and personal computers as it applied to business was a great skill at that time. So I began to learn about computers. So from there, I ended up going and working for a computer consulting firm that helped small businesses. I got a great education in computerized accounting. And it's now it seems very intuitive, but back then most people were still using a hand checkbook and a little ledger to do their accounting. So I was using my business degrees, but I was kind of building one job to the next. 
from that company, I ended up getting hired by an interior design firm that specified a lot of construction work. And I began to learn about job costing. And that was really something different that a lot of people didn't know. And after working for a couple different design firms and being very frustrated with the general contractors that we were working with, my husband said, well, stop complaining and go get your own contractor's license. And so in the, state of, in the state of Florida, it's not very easy to do. But I kind of got myself into the position where I got some experience under another general contractor um, helping small businesses set up their computers and build their new facilities. So I was working for a fellow who did commercial remodeling. And what he did was he signed, he gave me the experience. He taught me some of the ropes of the construction side. And I really knew the business side from all the parts and pieces that I was doing. I got my general contractor's license. I was so proud. I was like, I was over the moon that I could be a general contractor because there really weren't that many female general contractors. Um, and I started my firm and I was doing a lot of work for interior designers because I spoke the same language. Yes. And after a while, clients came to me and said, well, I know that you can help me. I have an interior designer or I see that you have all the skills that maybe I don't need an interior designer and you could just help me make sure I don't make mistakes. And the skills that I really had gotten doing um, the accounting, knowing how to do contracts, knowing how to write purchase orders, how to take care of people's money, and the hospitality of being able to take care of people was kind of what led me to become a general contractor. And in 2000, um, I started my own firm, which was just me at that time, really doing project management. But I saw that there was so much potential to design my own career, kind of design my life at that point by having my own business and being in this very, very large, uh, large business that had a lot of different ways that it could go. So that's kind of what got me from a business degree to becoming a general contractor. So I wrote down so many things while you were talking. Um, we'll see if I come back and hit all of them. I'm kind of a squirrel sometimes um, and I bounce around. So when you when you left college and the market was not great, what kind of job did you think you were headed toward? What were you looking for when you were in college? I thought I was going to be a corporate HR person. Okay, so you had you had that desire uh, to make people better um, from from the get go, and then I I love that you got into hospitality. I, I also love that you got out of hospitality. I think so many people once they're in hospitality, they stay in hospitality for a really long time. And um, not that that's bad, but my my small experience in hospitality, I did, um, I remodeled the lobbies of, of two primary hotels here in Kansas City and loved the staff, but learned how little they actually made for the hours that they put in. And, you know, some of those I was like, oh gosh, you guys got to come over the construction side. Like it was just so many hours they're putting in for such little pay. Um, so love that you got out of that. Um, and I love that your husband is the one that said, why don't you just go get your contractor's license? I, 
I think that even the the husbands around the world who are super supportive of their wives, I don't know that a lot of them would say, go get your contractor's license. Um, where where does that come from, do you think, from your husband's side? Does his Is his family contracting? Does he come from that background? Tell us more about what 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 he saw in you and based on his experience that you think made him kind of even bring that up? Well, he knows that I'm like, I'm like a little bulldog. Like I'm good. If he said, well, why don't you just go get your contractor's license? I would like hand on hip said, well, just watch me. Because, <laughs> but he's amazingly supportive and knew that anything I put my mind to, I could do. Um, what eventually happened was he was working as a painting contractor at that time. He was doing sales for a painting contractor. Okay. And I think that he recognized that there was so much mediocrity in the construction business that if we could take our integrity and our desire to do something really special that we could come up with a company that would be amazing. And he knew that I was probably more um, the person more ready to do the front side than he was. We had two young children at that time and we both wanted flexible schedules to be able to be there for them, but we shared, we were 50, 50 partners in that uh, time with them. And it was my first glimpse that we could really write the rules. And I think that he recognized that before I did it. And honestly, throughout my whole career, Paul has recognized kind of the steps we need to take and pushes me off the cliff to take them. <laughs> I, something else I wrote down when you were talking was how you, you learned job costing really before you learned design. And yes. you are, you are, I, I I think I can say this. I, I don't feel 100% confident, but I'm pretty damn confident I can say this. You're the first designer I've ever met that did it that way. Um, and I have noticed so a lot of designers, they are great designers and they struggle to grasp the financial side of it. And I'm saying that from a couple different perspectives. Um, one, being a general contractor, you know, when I was a job site superintendent, um, you know, sitting in meetings with the design team and they would throw out numbers that they thought. And I'm just like, there's no way it's going to cost that. They just struggled to relate to, to what the jobs actually cost. And then for me as a client, uh, when I was the owner's rep for large apartment towers and having the design team and the contractor sit in front of me and just not that, that job costing, not lining up between those two disciplines. I think, um, I think it's fantastic and really interesting that you learned the job costing side. You were brought in for that and then expanded on the design on the design side. How how much do you think that has helped you um, learning the job costing first? So no question that being a good business person is number one in running any successful business. No question. Um, I was probably lucky that I didn't have more of a skill in design. My background wasn't in design. My background was in business, in accounting, in computerized accounting. So I knew information was power. And the understanding that if I could bring in great people, but I took care of their money, I took care of the money, 
that that's the most important thing. You can find a, I once heard from a CPA, he said to me, Abby, lots of people know how to do the work. Not so many people know how to run a business. And I think that that was always my strength and something I would encourage anyone who wants to be in their own business is you have to understand the accounting business side of it first before you go off and try to manage other people's money and their expectations within their company, you know, with what you're going to provide them. Yeah. And I love that you're saying managing other people's money, because I think that too many times people hire contractors for residential or for commercial and the design element gets out of control. Managing their money, I, I bet that's something that your clients really appreciate about you is that you're managing you're you're keeping their budget in mind and you know how to to keep it in line. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the benefits of running of a design build firm for construction is that we're designing, understanding the costs of what we're delivering. If we have a budget, then we know that our design has to stay within that budget unless the client has said you have some flexibility. And we address our budget from the very beginning and then we address it over and over and over again to ensure that we're staying on track. And if a client makes a selection that takes us off track or asks for something that takes us beyond the budget, we very quickly communicate that so that we don't have a lot of disappointment Then, ah, oh, I didn't get to get that. And I think too many women sometimes are afraid to talk about the dollars. And that's really something that empowers you because when you have a great, clear understanding with your clients, you both feel an open communication. And I, I think that, that has, that's what I really enjoy about being design build. And I am a general contractor versus interior designer. I have designers on staff. I kind of lead the conceptuals but I keep them within the parameters of uh, the project development. This is what we have, this is our scope, and we're very clear about scopes, budgets, and how that relates to design. Um, and that's, we also have a timeline to get jobs done. They just can't go on endlessly in design and endlessly in construction right. because you can't stay on budget that way. You can't, no. Um. You said something that I wanted to go back to about, oh, um, leading the design. And when I was looking through your website, it it was clear to me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it appears that you really, you really let the customer lead on the, what are they looking for? You're listening to them. You're, you're, you're not just walking in the space and saying, oh, I see what this can be. Let's do this, this, and this. Your website uh, was clear to me that you walk in and you listen. What are they looking for? Even if, I mean, I would be willing to bet the majority of your clients, um, I think does clients, remodel clients in general, they have an idea, but they struggle to visualize. And um, it sounds like you're just really good at, tell me what you're looking for and let me show you on paper and BIM or whatever, what that could actually look like. Absolutely. And when we go to our initial appointments with our clients, I always go with a designer so that we have four ears and we let them tell us what they want. Um, we're not here to give you our vision. 
We're here to make sure you don't make mistakes and take your vision and expand it and show you what the possibilities are. Um, but our team really listens. We share our notes. We um, kind of play off each other and make sure, is this what you heard the client said? This is what I heard the client said. And then we're always check, touching base. Um, and sometimes we'll show them things that might surprise them. And they'll say, wow, I, I do sort of like that. But it's really based on the direction they've asked us to go. And I think that that's sort of what remodeling is. It's a little bit different than somebody walking in and saying, I want this new home that looks like this model. They usually have an emotional feeling about their house. They know the functionality they're looking for in their house. And we're here to make sure that we execute that for them. Well, and functionality is so important. And it reminds me of when I was remodeling my kitchen a couple of years ago, I, I have a 19... 1930s Tudor home here in Kansas City, and which means it is a very small kitchen. It is maybe 10 foot by 10 foot, um, but I've been in this industry a long time, and so I had it all laid out. It was a couple inches. I was really struggling with how it was all going to fit, but, you know, I bring in the first cabinet designer, and, um, you know, I told him what I wanted. I kind of showed him, and he's like, oh, you don't want that. <laughs> And I couldn't get him out the door fast enough. I'm like, you can't tell me what I what I want. Like, if you want to suggest something else, but telling me, oh, you don't want that. And then the second one came in and I walked him through everything and they're like, oh, that won't work. You'll need to do this. And I'm like, I've been doing this a long time. I know there's a way that we can make it work. And so then the third cabinet guy comes in and he's like, you want what? And I told him again, he's like, okay, let me understand. And he repeated it. And then he's like, okay, is this what you're thinking? I'm like, yes. He's like, I'm not sure, but let me figure this out. He wanted me to get what I wanted because I knew I'm not even a big cook, but I wanted my kitchen to function in a particular way. And the first two men that came in, they weren't interested in that. They were interested in doing what they're used to doing. And I, that just, it means so much when someone comes in and listens, right? It really does. And um, I think also I've done a lot of bathrooms. I've done a lot of kitchens. And I think understanding the way that people live, um, you know, how are you going to use your kitchen? How are you going to use your bathroom? Do you have any physical limitations that I need to be aware of? Because sometimes we have no idea on our first meeting in both the bathroom and the kitchen that we need to truly understand. We have a wonderful architectural designer here who we put everything, we use chief architect, we put everything into 3D so that we can do uh, walkthroughs with our clients and really let them know what it's gonna feel like when they're in that space um, and try to really expand uh, their understanding of what they're getting because not everybody can visualize. And if we can make it easier for them to visualize, they can tell us more what they want. That's right. Okay, so I'm going to transition um, to, you You said something, um, oh, I only wrote down half of it, shoot. Something about feel like, um, you want people to feel like they, they can understand the space. And so I want to, I want to transition to helping people feel like they can fit in in construction and what that what that visualization looks like and how we talk them into it particularly regarding like 
what what you had sent to me was the first thing you mentioned is how great of a livable wage this industry is and and how how we can sell people on that and help them visualize what their life looks like when they're living off of the wages that you can get in the construction industry. So tell me more about your thoughts on that. Well, this is a really exciting topic for me because I feel that there are very few industries that you can come into and kind of design what it's going to look like for you. Um, there are so many areas in design, in pre-construction, in project management of that process, in accounting, out in the field, in both project management or field support. And I think that women are great multitaskers. We're often great process people. And we also bring something to the remote, to the building process that many men don't necessarily have. Um, if you're selling remodeling to a woman, you want to make sure that there's a woman on the other side receiving it. And there's so many contractors that need capable women on their team. And they don't even realize because they've been living in a male culture. To me, I've been able to bring on lots of women into our team. And not only do they earn very livable wages now, but as they grow in their skill set, as I get older and I transition past my career, they're poised to take over a company that has um, that can grow, that can change. Remodeling is a very dynamic uh business but people always need it because we will be we've been remodeling houses since the beginning of time and we'll always continue to it's not a flashy business but it is a business where you can send your kids to college because you've done a great job in the field that you've come into being subcontractors wow what an opportunity to get quick financial security whether you're a general contractor or a subcontractor, but if you can do a good job and you're a good communicator, you can write your ticket, particularly in the environment we have now with our labor, uh, with our labor pool. Yeah, we, we definitely need, um, we definitely need more people. We have a shortage, but I think that, and I've experienced this in many of the cities that I've lived in that we struggle to, to have, um, hmm, how do I say this professionally? We struggle to, from a residential standpoint in Kansas City, right now, you struggle to find someone that will follow up on the phone call, will Absolutely. show up to do the estimate, will then follow up with the estimate, that will then show up when they say they're going to, to do the work, and they will get it done in the time frame that they said they'll get it done in. And like you said, right now, if you can do those things, you can write your ticket because I'm Absolutely. willing to pay more when I know, oh, Abby used this guy and he showed up on time and he did this and he did this or she did whatever. Like you can write your ticket. Absolutely. There is no question. And I don't think there's a town in the country that you're not able to write your ticket. 
Um, I do a lot of networking around the country. Everybody has the same problem finding reliable subs. And I think as a woman in construction, I'm always fast to hire a woman subcontractor. Um, but I think that it's a great equalizer because there may be in corporate America and in some other um, careers, you may not get the ability to write your ticket that you do have the opportunity to do in construction. Why do you think that's different in construction than other industries? I think in construction, you can prove yourself very fast. It's really about the work that you're doing immediately and it's project-based. So you're quickly, you can develop experience quickly. You can prove yourself quickly with clients. Um, where in corporate, you may have to have four years of college and maybe a master's and then get into a training program where as a contractor, you could come out of high school, you could have some vo uh, vocational training either at a trade school or interning with a construction company. And all of a sudden you're up and running. It's a very different um, path that you can take. And if you do have the education behind you, it only speeds your process because you'll have more experience. You may have more experience in marketing or in the accounting side of things. But those are all the skills that you need to run a small business. And, and construction are a lot of small businesses which really support the, the um, economy of our communities. And that's what it's about in very difficult economic times. I knew that as long as I was getting jobs done, I was feeding my staff, staff of subcontractors. And that's a pretty good way to wake up in the morning to know you can't fix all the problems in the world, but you can feed your community. Yeah. So two things I want to talk about on that. We'll see if I remember to come back to both of them. One is visual visuality. I don't know that that's a word. I make up words, but, um, <laughs> and the other one is the network. So um, talking about visuality, which should be a word if it's not, um, you were talking about how you can see, uh, people can see what your abilities are sooner in construction than other industries. And I hadn't really thought about that before, but even, um, I mean, it, it can be as simple as, you know, building something physically and showing them that you have the ability to um, to draw that you like you heard them and you put it on paper and they can see it like instant. It's not like an accountant um, where they don't really understand what you're doing in the background and you give them a number like, OK, I get it. They did it fast. I don't really know if it's what I was looking for. Our industry is different than that, whether it's through a drawing or through through. I had a contractor come work on one of my homes the other day and, you know, he spent a day doing what he needed to do. And I walked out and I saw the quality of his work and I know exactly what I would recommend him for in the future. Like it was immediate within eight hours. I'm able to say this guy does a really good job at X. And um, I hadn't really thought about the visual aspect of what makes what makes it easier for people to see how good you do your job in in our industry. Um, the other thing I mentioned was network, and 
man, construction is such a big industry, but it is so small. Like when you're building your network, when somebody knows that they can trust you, they know Abby's going to go do this, or they know uh, Mindy's got the great best HVAC company, or uh, Rosie's got the best electrical company. Like you start to form these connections and they're your first call. You know, it's, it's, you're building that network together and you're building these projects together. And it's, it's a strong network. I mean, I have similar to you, I'm sure I've got people that I've known for 30 years in the industry and we still call on each other for things. Absolutely. Um, and it's very funny. This almost goes to the psyche of people. When my son was in, um, I think he was in pre-K. And he said to somebody, what does your mom do? My mom builds things. It's very quantifiable when you work in construction. You make things. You generate things. And so, as you said, at the end of a day, you can see what you've accomplished. And that allows you to, for, to kind of speed things up within your career, speed things up within your networking. And in every community networks are important in every part of your career, even through LinkedIn, you know, you create a network because you and I connected through NAWIC. And I said, well, she supports women in construction. I support women in construction. I'm sure we have lots in common. That's how it happens. Yeah, and I think the, the security part, um, you get to create your own security in construction. I remember, you know, I worked for Jay Dunn for 20 years. And when I started with Jay Dunn, one of the things that was impressed upon me from my, my superintendent was if the subs don't make money, we don't make money. And that has stuck with me forever that it's right. If, if my subs don't make money, then the next time we ask them to bid a job, they're going to raise the price to my company and they may give somebody else a better company or a better, a better bid. And if we get outbid because of their number, we don't make money on that one because we lost the job. You know, it's it all it's all interconnected. Um, once again, back to the network. Absolutely. And I think when you're not working for a large corporation and you're working for yourself or a small company, we can easily downsize and upsize in the jobs that we do in there is never going to be a phone call from some a corporate headquarters far away that says, I'm sorry, but we've changed our strategies. There's something really to be said about controlling your business. If you have to do more marketing, if you have to become a better salesperson, if you need to go out and find a niche that's unserved in construction, you can do that. And that's a little bit about being that dynamic, ready to move, ready to that um, I think women in general are very good at adapting because sort of our whole lives we've had to adapt. Well, and talking about a niche that is underserved made me think more about um, improving the community and what what you're able to do, what we are able to do as construction professionals with improving the community. What are what are some of your thoughts on how we do that? Well, I think that first of all, we, as a general contractor, have a great team on our staff. And we try to do a lot of professional development. 
Um, and we also have subcontractors who we work to improve the quality of their lives. Uh, teaching them, you know, where we teach our clients, our, our employees English, if they speak Spanish. And now we're going to be teaching subcontractors and our project managers Spanish so that we can improve the communication. Um, we give back to our community through charitable efforts where we can. But we also, we just had a big hurricane last year down in our area, Hurricane Ian. And there were so many people that just didn't even know where to turn. And we may be experts in a very small area, but in our area, being able to rebuild or to help people at least to know where to begin is really important. And I feel like we're kind of ground zero on being able to support the community in natural disasters. Yeah. Um, in, and that's a, a big part of supporting our community through service as well. Well, I think something else that we we're able to do through service is introduce people to construction. Um, and I, so once a month, I typically volunteer on a carpentry crew with my church and we go out, we help schools or organizations or whatever kind of carpentry skills they are, things that they're needing. And so this past weekend, um, I helped build shelves for a, um, an elementary school here in Kansas City and the teacher's classroom that we were building them for, he walked up to me, he's like, I know this wasn't on the list, but could you maybe um, install this hasp that I'm wanting on the door of this, the storage room? And, um, you know, my my gut reaction is, okay, would you be interested in learning how to do it? You know, because I think there are so many people that they're just afraid to show that they don't, they're, they're afraid to try construction. They're afraid to try the tools. They're afraid to because they, they don't want to look stupid, right? What if they can't carry it? What if they don't know how to use it correctly? And I mean, I've been operating power tools for 40 years and the the miter saw that they brought to that job site was a cordless Milwaukee. And I, for the life of me, couldn't figure out how to unlock the darn thing. I had to YouTube how to unlock it. So, I mean, we all, even after all these years, we don't all know how to do it, but I think in community service, when we interact with people who aren't in construction, we have an opportunity to bring them in and show them, hey, this is how I would do it. It's it's a steel door frame that's grouted. So we're actually gonna have to use a couple bits to get this in, you know, but it's the feeling of pride that they get when they've done it themselves and starting to realize that, oh, construction's more than I thought it was. And maybe I can even do some of this. I think that's something that we are able to offer to our communities as well. Oh, absolutely. And that's so neat. I mean, to be able to make it more understandable and acceptable that for everyone, it's okay for everyone to try. And I think a lot of that comes from me. Um, I, I'm always, I've always been one who is I'm afraid to admit when I don't know something, so I just won't try it. Or, you know, like I'm afraid I'll look stupid or I'm afraid I won't be strong enough or whatever. And so I just am like, oh, you want to take care of this? And so I recognize that in others. And I, I want to I want to make that situation better for them because I know how it felt when someone to me was like, hey, let me show you this. And another example I'll throw out. I, I mentioned this in the first episode I ever record, recorded. When I was an intern um, during college, 
I was a carpenter tender and that meant I had to take everything for the carpenters and set up their new workspace and then clean it up at the end of the day. Well, one of the things carpenters need is three quarter inch plywood. I did not, I mean, I was 115 pounds. I did not, could not carry a three quarter inch piece of plywood, but there was a, another woman labor on the job, pulled me aside one day and was like, it's all in the way you carry it. And she showed me how to carry it and man, I care. I wanted to carry that thing around the job site all day just to show people like, oh no, I got this. I can do this. And this past weekend when I was volunteering, um, now that I know how to do that, it's just easier for me to do it by myself. And there were some stacks of plywood and they're like, hey, we need these outside. And I'm like, okay, let me, and I just grabbed one and started carrying it out. And I turn around and this guy who works for the school is trying to carry one out and he sets it down. He's like, I just felt like if you did it, I had to figure out how to do it. And I'm like, no, 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 let me just show you how. It's about knowing how, you know? And and then he was like, oh, now I got it. But I just love watching people feel empowered to be able to do things. And I don't know, I just think that's something that we're able to offer people, um, especially being who you and I are that are unexpected. People don't expect us to know what we know about construction. So it's easier for them to learn from us because we're not as intimidating. Oh, absolutely. That's such a great story. I love that. It, it, it was a fun time for sure. Oh, my bad. Okay. I think we covered everything that we were talking about covering. Is there anything else that you, you want to end with today? No, I just enjoyed our conversation so much. And I think it's so fun to get to talk about these things and, uh, to envision what the future can be for so many women out there who are wondering, what am I going to do career-wise? And do I have to incur all that debt to go to college or to go to grad school? And there are so many other options. Uh, and definitely construction should be one that you should be looking at. Well, and I'm glad you mentioned college because I don't think that's something that I've touched on in an episode much before. And um, you you definitely don't have to go to to college to be in construction, um, but you definitely can, and you can pursue basically any degree and still end up in construction. Um, one thing I, I think is important to let women know, though, is women are, because of the quotas that have been put in place, it makes women in high demand to hire them from college. And um, I will admit, I don't like being the reason that I'm a female is the reason I got hired. I, I don't appreciate that. But then once I get in the door, I'm able to show that I'm worth keeping and then I and then I get to stay. And I say all that to say I, I went to college um, at Central, what is it called now? University of Central Missouri. And when I graduated, I had, I think, $2,300 in debt. $2,300 is all that I had in debt. And I paid for my entire school, um, my books and everything. And I, granted, I had some scholarships that helped me. But I had a very good girlfriend that we graduated. She graduated the year before me. And if memory serves me correctly, she graduated with $30,000 of debt. And I say all of that to say that for women right now you don't have to go to the most expensive school you can i mean we are they are just look they're looking to bring women in and if you think college is the right thing for you you do not have to go to the top-notch school to be successful in construction and um that helps with that i mean 
$2,300, that was paid off my first year after college. So I'm, I'm still not paying like a lot of people are. And I'm not putting down really great schools. I'm just saying you don't have to go to the top school to, to su be successful in construction. Absolutely. People really hire you on your merits Absolutely. and on those great qualities that you develop over the years. So that that's such a great point. All right. Well, I think I'm going to wrap this up. I have really enjoyed getting to know you and I'm hoping that we can continue some future conversations. So thanks, Abby. Thank you. If you know someone that could benefit from this particular episode, then share it with them. Or if you want to continue to learn about the untapped and underutilized resources that will take your business to the next level, then follow the podcast. You don't want to miss an episode where we discuss what you needed to hear. And lastly, there is a link in the show notes that will allow you to reach out to me directly if you want to accelerate that learning curve. Thanks for listening. Talk soon.